Welcome in listeners to the 7th Slope Buster Fantasy Football Podcast. On today's episode, Drew and myself take a look at the leaders through four weeks in the NFL. Who's trending upwards? Who's trending downwards? Some injuries you need to keep an eye on and some names you need to add to your roster right now. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partners. Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code slump, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products cavemancoffeeco.com promo code slump guys don't be a chump use promo code slump and get yourself a case today all right y'all let's start for the episode juju talk sports drew hegeboss slump buster ffb let's get it let's bust the slump and let's enjoy All right, Drew, I'm going to start you off with something hot here. Grade the trade. I receive Patrick Mahomes and AJ Green, who has been sipping from the fountain of youth. My opponent receives Joe Burrow and Ezekiel Elliott. How'd I come out, man? Dude, I think you got the A plus right there. (laughs) A plus? Okay, because here's what I was thinking with this one. Listen to my starting lineup after this trade commences. So I will have, of course, Patrick Mahomes, Patty Cakes Mahomes as my QB1 week in and week out, which means I could subsequently drop Kirk Cousins from my roster and pick up someone else. I will have Najee Harris and Aaron Jones as my running backs one and two. My wide receivers, okay, I could kind of mix and match here. I got Tyler Boyd, I got Antonio Brown, I got AJ Green now. So a little bit of a work in progress, not bad, okay? But in the flex, you know who I'm going to throw in week in, week out? DeAndre Swift. Oh, by the way, I also have Darren Waller in this league. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm streaming defenses, but it's okay. And then I have Daniel Carson. I know you hate him, but... Yeah. You ever just enter a league and I I don't consider myself an expert. In fact, I kind of like hate the term expert when I consider like when people ask, Mm -hmm. oh, what do you do? Like, oh, I kind of like give some insight on fantasy football, sports knowledge, all that stuff. But when I'm in this type of league, man, it's just unfair. You're just putting an expert amongst boys here. What are you doing to these poor guys? I was about to say, who'd you trade with? A a guy who's first like as a football like watcher? (laughs) Well, see, here's the thing. So he initially threw at me this trade with like Patrick Mahomes. He would get Antonio Brown out of the deal. He would get Joe Burrow, all this stuff. Aaron Jones, who I actually like Aaron Jones a little bit more than I like Zeke Elliott. We could get into that one a little bit. I have Tony Pollard also on my bench in that one. So let's say Zeke goes down and then boom, I'm right back to having the running back one for the Cowboys. That was kind of like my logic why it was like, okay, I would rather give up Zeke than give up Aaron Jones here, which... I think it's fair logic, right? So I still lock yeah. up potentially the Cowboys backfield. Tony Pollard is as much relevant as a flex option that he could even be considered a flex for me. Not to throw any shade, but uh, I got the invite for this league from C uh, Money with his uh, friends from uh, El Paso, Sun City, 915. And <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about that one so far. <laughs> how about you? Bad. How was your fantasy fortune coming off of week four, man? It wasn't bad, honestly. I, I was down in a couple leagues. But like out of the seven leagues I was in, I think I lost two out of the seven. So not too bad. I think the league that I'm struggling the worst in is going to be, unfortunately, the Caster League. Eris and I are running our team. And of course, you have a separate team with like your former co-host there too. So technically there is multiple Slump Buster teams regardless, but that's neither here nor there. Right now we're one and three. Last year we started off slow too. And then we lived up to our motto and truly busted the slump. That's what I'm hoping happens for us because through four weeks, it's looking pretty dark, man. Well, I thought we were going to be two and two in the Castor League, but it turns out we just beat the Commish 162.28 to 162.08. <laughs> Let's take a look at that. Who's actually leading that league? So tuning in for the first time, haven't listened to some stuff we've done in the past. We do a league with multiple other sports or fantasy football podcasters. Right now at the top, hey, you're over here sitting at three and one. So you're doing pretty well, man. Chris McConnell of the Roto Bros podcast over here yeah. sitting at three and one himself. Boda Boys at three and one. Burst Your Bubble at three and one. We have some work to do if we're going to make the playoffs in this yeah, but so right you guys now. Got some work. See, this is one of the leagues I thought I lost in because I was like, oh, this is a for sure loss for us. But then I just looked and I was like, oh, we won by 0.2 points. 
point just, two points. Wow. Is that just like snuck away? <laughs> is that legitimate? Is that legit how much you won by? Yeah, it's 162.28 to 162.08. Is that like your thinnest margin of victory you've had in years? Yeah, absolutely. It's I like, always feel so bad whenever people go through those. Um, what's even worse, though, I actually saw this one happen for someone to think they won a league on Monday night and for a stat correction to prove them wrong on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, it's so weird to like have that. I feel bad for the people who do like have that fortune where it's like, oh, you got beat by the uh, the points, you know, the day after you had to get deducted. And it's like, OK, now you lost. <laughs> it's not that unorthodox i suppose that there, there is occasional corrections in scoring like i know they'll go back and look for missed tackles and yardage is usually pretty cut and dry so I, it always throws me off that they, we even have stat corrections to this day sometimes won't even take place till even a couple days later i've seen yeah. someone lose on a wednesday before at yeah, that that's point so don't weird. even call me the, the results are what they are yeah i about to say if it's not the day after then it's kind of dry that you won like if you're gonna do it on a wednesday then you should just give him the guy a win no matter what because he deserved that after what he went through <laughs> you know i'm gonna tell you something i'm gonna tell you a story that i remember from my childhood uh back when i was first getting into fantasy football and this was before obviously the internet really took off and most of fantasy leagues were held on just the computer doing the scoring for you so obviously scoring mm-hmm. was done more manually by your commission i would have hated to be a commish back in the day legitimately having tally up all the scores based off the sports section the team i co-ran with my dad we had isaac bruce right so isaac oh, yeah. bruce of the rams i believe he's on the verge of being a hall of famer so isaac bruce was pretty good back in the day but the commissioner of that league rather than accounting for isaac bruce's stat line he wrote in tory holt's stat line for us that week meaning that we had, I believe, like a two-touchdown game from Torrey Holt or some extra receptions there, something off. But either way, that was the difference in scoring that won us that championship. Hey, I'll take that any day of the week. If it's a mess up on the commissioner's part, I'll take that win no matter what. Yeah, the commissioner's retired. That league is long since buried. So I don't think anyone here is going to be <laughs> up in arms over it. And I would have been disappointed if we would have lost that league in general, because throughout the year, that was the Ladanian Tomlinson year where he set the single season touchdown mark. Yeah. So losing that year would have felt so bitter. And then not to mention, we also had Frank Gore, who was third in the league and rushing that year too. So to have both those guys on our team and to lose because Isaac Bruce shit the bed that particular week, that would have sucked. But Oh, that would have been terrifying and terrible. <laughs> either way, you know, sometimes if you're not cheating, you aren't trying. It don't matter if the asterisk is there, a win's a win in my book. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, let's stop focusing in the past. Let's look at the weekend that was and projected for the weekend that is. This episode, we're going to be doing a little bit different. I'm just going to give a quick rundown of the top 12 for the week at each position, but then we're going to look at the top 12 on the season and kind of project to see if that is going to hold up throughout the year. So let's start first at the quarterback position. Uh, So week four, the number one quarterback is the newly acquired by me, Patrick Mahomes, five touchdowns on the day, 278 yards, a couple rushing attempts as well, 26 yards rushing, Sam Darnold, just behind him. Sam Darnold is currently leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. So mobile threat, Sam Darnold, who saw that coming. (laughs) Number two for the week, 301 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And then as mentioned, the two rushing scores. So four total touchdowns on the day. Matty Ice is the surprise finisher inside the top three. Drew, you're going to get some flack for hating on Matty Ice this week as he tore apart once again that Washington football team defense Mm -hmm. that is really, at this point, just living off pure reputation. Matty Ice, his stat line for the day, 283 yards, four touchdowns. And then again, Jalen Hurts, consistency incarnate. Jalen Hurts is back in the top 12 at number four, 387 yards and two scores, 47 yards on the ground to kick in as well. Taylor Heineke right behind him at 290 yards and three touchdowns. So a bit of a shootout between the Washington football team and the Atlanta Falcons. Taylor Heineke was a beneficiary, a great streaming option from the past week. Dak Prescott sitting there with 188 yards and four touchdowns. So not the most yardage, but the touchdowns certainly were coming into big into play this week. At seven, you have Daniel Jones, 402 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Not much on the ground, only 27 yards on the ground, but Daniel Jones is a great fantasy option this year. Aaron Rodgers at number 
eight, 248 yards, two touchdowns for A-Rod. Kyler Murray at nine, he had 280 yards, two touchdowns for Murray. Russell Wilson at 10, two touchdowns, only 149 yards. So something to monitor there, but you also kick in the rushing touchdown and it was enough to elevate Russell into the top 10 this week. At 11, picked up the sky and he helped me win a week. Joe Burrow, 348 yards, two touchdowns, continuously starting to look healthier and healthier coming off that knee injury. Good to see Joe Burrow up here. And then at 12, from the Monday night game, we have Justin Herbert with 222 yards and three touchdowns against the Las Vegas Raiders, screwing me in our pick and picks against Kyle Ledbetter. But you can worry about that on the main Slump Buster podcast. So that rounds up the top 12 for the week. Let's take a look at the top 12 quarterbacks for the year and just, you know, raise your hand if you see any surprises here. So number one, Patrick Mahomes. So no surprises there. Patrick Mahomes, week in and week out among the top six finishers and through the aggregate, settles in at the number one slot. Kyler Murray just behind him in about 107 points. And just heads up here, guys, I'm going off four points per passing touchdown scoring here. Half point PPR leagues. Uh, Jalen Hurts at three. Tom Brady at four. Sam Darnold at five. Daniel Jones at six. Josh Allen at seven, Matthew Stafford at eight, Russell Wilson, nine, Lamar, 10, Derek Carr, 11, and Kirk Cousins finishing at quarterback 12 on the year. All right, let's talk about some surprises here. So who most stood out to you on that list? Definitely Daniel Jones stood out the most. I mean, him being top 10, very, very Not just top 10, top six here. Yeah, I'm just saying top six, like the way he's been playing all season, you wouldn't think he looked like a top six quarterback in the NFL right now, or at least fantasy wise as well. Like just watching those games, especially like the Washington football game, he looked so bad and looked so clueless. And I'm like, there's no way this guy is even remotely going to be on anybody's starting lineup anymore. And yet you hear him, he's a top six quarterback of the year. And it's you're just like, wait, what? Daniel Jones? Is this real? <laughs> I think he still put up 30 fantasy points against Washington football team that week in particular and then if you actually break it down he only has one interception on the year so far and I believe only one fumble so the turnover narrative may be a little bit overplayed when you actually look at Daniel Jones total stat line here's how I'm going to frame that question to you though trust or bust as in is this guy over the next four weeks so when we do another review of the top 12 for the year will Daniel Jones still remain in the top 12 trust or bust Drew what do you got But depending on what his schedule looks like, yeah, let's pull up the schedule because I think the schedule could be a huge part of what can happen to him. If he has some solid opponents in there, he could be a bust. But if he's got some easier opponents in there, he could be someone you could trust to go along with. It all depends. Okay, the next quarter. So starting up week five at Dallas versus the Rams, Panthers, and at the Chiefs. So out of those matchups there, there's only probably two that you would really consider starting them in because you're not going to start them against the Rams, I don't think. No. And you're probably not going to start them against the Panthers. I would consider them against the Chiefs. Just potential shootout opportunity there. And the Cowboys do even have their question marks because the Cowboys have started to show that they may, after all, be just a good defense this year. Daniel Jones, with that schedule intact, trust or bust over the next four weeks? I'd say trust. I mean, he hasn't been playing bad at all this season. Look at his stats. He hasn't been awful. One fumble, one interception. So he's kept the turnovers down to an absolute minimum. He didn't stumble over his feet yet, so that's a good sign. Um <laughs> But I think for me, he could be someone you could trust. He's on a hot streak right now, and hot streaks tend to continue a little bit. So he might be a little bit scary against the Carolina defense, maybe the Cowboys defense a little bit. But I mean, other than that, he's got some shootout opportunities that he can uh, take advantage of. Okay, well, let's talk about the other quarterback, the other one that similar to Daniel in the New York area code, Sam Darnold, sitting there as a top five quarterback currently at the moment. Do you trust or do you consider Sam Darnold be a bust moving forward? Do you think he'll continue what he's doing? I think he'll continue. I mean, he's looked very good in this offense. Even without Christian McCaffrey, he hasn't looked too bad. And leading the league in rushing touchdowns for quarterback, I mean, I know that's a shock to probably all of us because he never showed a glimpse of that in New York. But when he goes down to Carolina, a little bit better protection, better weapons, better coaching staff altogether. (laughs) Uh, He looks like an actual NFL quarterback. And I think he could continue to look good. Everyone kind of had that mindset to where if Sam Darnold were just to move anywhere besides New York, he could be somewhat of a decent NFL quarterback. And it's proving to be true. Well, I'll give you more cause for confidence in Sam Darnold. Over the next four weeks, his schedule reads as such. 
Philadelphia at home, Minnesota at home, on the road against the Giants, and on the road against the Falcons. So the next yeah. four weeks, those look excellent. So there is a great opportunity for Sam to finish within the top 12. And would I have thought at the start of the year he would have been a legitimate QB1? No, because I had mm-hmm. serious doubts of Sam Darnold. I had serious doubts in how much of that was really Adam Gase, how much of that really was the Jets. It turns out Adam Gase is truly horrible. I, I underestimated just how bad Adam Gase was. Sam Darnold in Carolina is looking excellent. I guess the only other surprise name really here in the top 12 point out is going to be someone like Derek Carr. So let's look at Derek Carr over the next few weeks. This was his first down week. Uh, he's going to go against Chicago next week at Denver, Philadelphia, and then a bye week. Trust or bust Derek Carr moving forward. Again, he's another guy I trust. I mean, he's he, it looks like he's went back to 2016 Derek Carr. I mean, we only have so many spots in the top 12, though. If you keep saying I mean, trust, you know, like we're <laughs> going to run out of spots here, man. Yeah, I know, but it's so hard to say bust to a guy who's been playing very well. And I mean, he, like I said, he's looking like the 2016 Derek Carr that had a solid year and he's looked the best he's has in years. I, I trust him quite a bit. Even though he had a down game, he still didn't look too bad in a down game. So, I don't mind saying that I would trust him here. Okay. The reason I say it's going to be hard to just continuously say trust is because we have some guys that are outside of this top 12 that I should mention too, that I'm also going to throw in here. So at 13, so just outside of the top 12, you have Dak Prescott. So the quarterback 13 on the year, a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns. Do you trust Dak Prescott to move back into that top 12? I mean, of course, Dak Prescott's always been a fantasy quarterback and he's always such like a genuine fantasy quarterback that just no matter how he plays, he just gets you the points that you need. He had 180 uh, passing yards, but he still threw for four touchdowns. So he still had a great fantasy day. I trust him. Like he'll always be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. So it's hard not to say that he won't be again this year. Okay. Well, at quarterback 14, you have Justin Herbert. Trust or bust Justin Herbert to finish within that top 12. For the rest of the year, see, I don't know about Justin Herbert. Now, he's been playing very well, but he has had a couple of off games. And I think it could show that, you know, he is a sophomore and sophomore slumps do happen. Now, again, it's depending on the rest of his schedule. And I'm not just talking about the next four weeks. I'm talking about the rest of the season. I mean, I know this next game, he's got us, the Cleveland Browns, who have a top three defense. And you saw what we did with Kirk Cousins and with Justin Fields. We tormented the both of them. And now, are we going to do the same to Justin Herbert, I don't know. So this could be the start of maybe of a sophomore slump. So I might have a hard time trusting him here. Over the next four weeks, you mentioned Cleveland goes on the road against Baltimore, who's a bit of a Mm mid-range defense, has a bye week, and then has the New England Patriots, who, if you remember, the Patriots beat the Chargers 45 to nothing last year. So if you mentioned it, would you say Justin Herbert over the next four weeks, could you see him as a potential bust? I say that over the next four weeks, would you be looking to potentially sell him to see if you could get anything from a Justin Herbert? You could definitely try and sell him because he is still pretty high in value. So you could probably try and sell him and get something decent back. Now, I don't know if you're going to get something like what you got back because that's just a lucky rarity right there. <laughs> but you could try and get something very decent in return. If not, I mean, it's not bad to stash him. Okay, a couple more guys I'm going to mention who are outside of the top 12 currently that are looking to get back in there. At 17, you have Aaron Rodgers, last year's MVP. 897 yards, eight passing touchdowns to this point, and a rushing touchdown. A-Rod. Will he finish as a top 12 fantasy quarterback this year? Again, there's that doubt, but I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. So I have to say it's a, it's a trust because he's one of the better NFL quarterbacks of all time. He's He could be top 10 of all time. It's hard to say bus against, you know, an absolute legend like Aaron Rodgers. Week one, obviously had the abysmal game where he threw for what, three straight interceptions in a row. I think that was like a game where he's just like kind of like F the Packers. But then again, he's like, you know what? I might as well just win while I'm here. So I might as well just play like Aaron Rodgers. So he picked it back up the next couple of weeks. I think if he continues the trend that he's going with, there's no doubt in my mind he's a top 12 quarterback. Next four weeks for Aaron Rodgers at Cincinnati, at Chicago versus the Washington football team and at Arizona. So a mid-level schedule. next four weeks for him the last guy ryan Tannehill, sitting there at quarterback 18 Tannehill, he has to deal with injuries right now at the wide receiver position obviously julio jones was out this week aj brown is going to miss some more time with that hamstring injury trust or bust ryan Tannehill? i'd say bust 
even with those guys in the starting lineup in the first couple weeks, he hasn't looked good. I didn't think he even made a pass to Julio in the first game until almost like the fourth quarter. You you signed a guy that you want to throw the ball to and Julio being one of the top receivers when you signed him and you're not even doing anything with him. Now, I don't know if that's a Ryan Tannehill issue or a Mike Vrabel issue, but I mean, the only person he can really rely on as of right now is either Anthony Fersker or Derrick Henry. And you can't run the ball all game long because Derrick Henry can only go for so long before he needs to get some water or get some fresh air or something. So for me, Ryan Tannehill is going to be a bust. To answer your question on whose issue that is, I think it's a Todd Downing issue. Yeah. I think they hired the wrong coordinator here. Arthur Smith was leagues and above uh, in terms of being just an offensive coordinator. Now, speaking of Arthur Smith, the head coach, eh, a little bit hit or miss. But as far as the coordinator option, uh, it's clear that Tannehill is and the rest of the offense is a little bit struggling because of that shift at that position. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's talk about one more big thing from quarterbacks. Uh, so Jimmy Garoppolo, he went down in this past game with what's being classified as a calf strain. Now, Kyle Shannon and his presser today said that there is still a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo could start this week. But I would lean that it's more likely that we see Trey Lance this week, just based off the nature of the injury, the fact that the Niners have a bye week coming up. Trey Lance, how much percentage of your fab budget would you use in picking him up? So if we're going off like a $100 fob, I wouldn't go too high because I, I know Jimmy Garoppolo is injured and I know a lot of people are going to be looking straight for Trey Lance. But I'd probably go maybe like 30% because you're going to get some guys who think they can just probably snatch him up really quick and be like, oh, I could probably get him for free. I might be high in the way. But then again, you're going to have to be smart and you might have to spend a little bit of your fob just to beat everybody else. So I think a solid maybe like 30% is not a bad way to go. Ooh, 30%. I was thinking I'm, I'm more about a 10% guy. Yeah. And maybe I guess it really just depends on what you need more on your roster because I don't think Trey Lance is going to be the type of guy no. that you could just start him up up right away against Arizona this week I don't think this week will be his best fantasy week but I think that Trey Lance is good to add to your roster because let's say this injury tends to linger with Jimmy Garoppolo or the Niners decide Trey Lance looks good potentially against Arizona and decide to just roll with him after the bye week then you're picking up a quarterback that will have a decent rushing floor and certainly does have weapons around him in George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, amongst others. Now, obviously, I do have a little bit of fan perspective and insight here when it comes to the Niners. He didn't look good in his first mm-hmm. like little bit of action out there. So I'm not looking at him and thinking this is rookie Lamar Jackson or even yeah. thinking that this is Jalen Hurts out there because he doesn't even look as fast as those guys. I mean, we always talk about Trey Lance as a dynamic athlete. But he doesn't seem to have that speed translating to his play speed. He runs about a 4.5, but I haven't seen that in the early going yet. Now, he's going to have those big plays. He's going to have those big highlight reel type plays, and they will come. But why I'm about more 10 to 15% is because I think it's a good speculative ad with potential long-term upside. But 30%, I feel, is more for guys that absolutely can help you right here and right now which yeah we'll probably get into those guys as we start getting into these running backs and wide receivers speaking of running backs so let's go through the top 12 here the number one overall running back for week four Cordero Patterson with three touchdowns five receptions 82 yards 34 yards Drew hates Cordell Patterson putting out right in there unranked below Mike Davis. We're going to have a little bit of a talk on this guy at number two, big time Monday night football performance by Austin Eckler with 117 yards on the ground and a touchdown, three receptions for 28 yards and another touchdown. Austin Eckler continues to be that little spark plug in the middle of the chargers lineup and great fantasy option right there. Saquon Barkley. So he is finally back guys. Saquon Barkley at number three overall for the week. 52 yards and a touchdown had a receiving touchdown on five receptions for 74 yards all-purpose type day for Saquon Barkley at four you would have liked him to finish as the number one guy for the week going against the Jets but Derrick Henry had a great day 157 yards and a touchdown two receptions for 20 yards so again bright side I guess of Todd Downing he's the least game Derrick Henry involved in the passing game two more receptions on the week so Derrick Henry is going to far and away exceed his career high David Montgomery at number five so David Montgomery that's going to be a big point of talking this week as he went down with an injury in this game but still finishes the fifth running back on the week 108 yards and two touchdowns directly behind him Ezekiel Elliott 143 yards and a touchdown on 20 attempts James Robinson had a good day against the Cincinnati Bengals going back to Thursday night football Uh, 78 yards two touchdowns 
almost leading the Jaguars to their first win. Expect a lot more James Robinson as Carlos Hyde had a little bit of a shoulder injury heading into that game. Number eight, James Conner, 50 yards, two touchdowns. So James Conner, he's not the sexiest pick in the world out there, but he keeps landing in the end zone. And obviously for fantasy owners, that changes the course of a guy's fantasy day. Two more touchdowns on the week for James Conner. At nine, you have Jonathan Taylor finally reemerging. 103 yards and a touchdown for him. Three receptions for 11 yards. You can run on the Miami defense, so maybe a trend that doesn't keep up, but Jonathan Taylor back in the top 10. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 102 yards, 12 yards on a passing touchdown reception-wise. Najee Harris behind him at 11 with 62 yards on the ground and a touchdown and six more receptions to go along with his 19 target performance from the previous week. Very involved in the passing game. And then Kenneth Gainwell, 31 yards and a touchdown, six receptions and 58 more yards through the air. Kenneth Gainwell, very much involved in giving Miles Sanders owners a bit of a scare. Let's take a look at the top 12 for the year and see how it compares. Derrick Henry is your number one overall running back on the year, 510 yards and four touchdowns so far. Austin Eckler directly behind him. So this week reflecting what's going on throughout the season with Austin Eckler at number two. Cordero Patterson is the number Number three running back on the year. Again, someone of interest there. Aaron Jones at four, Ezekiel out at five, Kareem Hunt at six. We got Najee Harris finishing as this RB7. RB8 is going to go to James Robinson. DeAndre Swift at nine, Nick Chubb at 10, Montgomery at 11, and Saquon Barkley is your running back 12 on the year. Okay, let's get right into this one. Cordero Patterson sell high or do you trust him long term he's playing about 30% of the snaps but those snaps are ending up in the end zone he's very much involved on passing downs at bare minimum are you going to start ranking him above Mike Davis yeah absolutely I mean I think this is the point in time where I think Cordero Patterson probably deserves even more time than Mike Davis does because it seems like Cordero Patterson is actually making his snap counts worth it and making them count. And Mike Davis is just like, Oh, you know, I got 16 carries, but I'm averaging like one yard per carry. I get it. You had a great season last year in Carolina, but you're not producing like you did there. Could it be the horrendous offensive line that you're behind? Maybe, but also too, you have a guy behind you who's getting a lot less snaps than you are, but he's making them count. He's finding the end zone. He's working in the passing game. He's basically doing the things you were last year. At this point in time, I think it's got to be Cordell Patterson right now over Mike Davis. Do you think Cordell Patterson will remain in the RB 1 through 12 section? He His next four weeks lineup as such, New York Jets, bye week, Dolphins, Carolina. I think so. I mean... He's been playing very well, and like I said, I think his snap count goes up and up every time he plays this well. And I think the more we see Cordell Patterson succeed, the more we see Mike Davis fall down to maybe the second running back in the death chart. So I could see Cordell Patterson probably jumping him in snaps or at this point getting equal snaps at this point with him. There's not too many surprises on the year as far as top 12 running backs. One name outside of it that I'm going to mention with the injury caveat, Christian McCaffrey. Are you at all concerned about the hamstring injury when he comes back? And would you be opposed dare I say, to trading Christian McCaffrey, not knowing what's going on with the hamstring. You know, I I think about fantasy football as like NFL owner would. It's a business. And you're you're trying to do what you think is best for your team. And if you think that's trading Christian McCaffrey, then that's what you have to do. I, I think a lot of people will be suckered in because it's Christian McCaffrey to give you something of good value. But for me, his injury history is very concerning because it could be a simple slight hamstring injury but then next week he could do some more damage to it and then next you know he's out for the year again for what the third straight year so it's like you you can sell him and not feel guilty about it the only reason why i can't sell him is because he's in a best ball league and obviously you can't make waivers or trades in a best ball league so (laughs) i can't get rid of him (laughs) but to be fair i i think you could definitely sell him and get still great value because you you'll get people who are suckered into well it's Christian McCaffrey so you're going to give me a lot for this guy and you could definitely get a lot of people with that okay I'm going to mention a guy he was within a lot of people's top six running backs coming Mm -hmm. into the year Jonathan Taylor currently as the running back 19 I was about to mention this guy in a discussion of is he on your bench is he someone you're trying to sell but then I pulled up his schedule 
You want to know why you should have faith in Jonathan Taylor moving up? His next few weeks line up as such. At Baltimore, who's a top 10 defense for running backs. Houston, San Francisco, who can't stop anyone right now. Tennessee, the Jets, and the Jaguars. Jonathan Taylor, a little bit more of cautious optimism there. Is this a great opportunity to, you know, slide in the DMs of the Jonathan Taylor owner and just see what his current value's at? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can even get him for probably something pretty low at this point, and you could probably slot him as a flex player. Like you said, look, the looks of his schedule looks very much in Jonathan Taylor's favor. So, I would try and ask the owner of a Jonathan Taylor owner and be like, hey, what's your price? I would love to have him, especially with this next few weeks. I'd definitely love to have a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Are you cutting guys like Miles Sanders and Miles Gaskin? So I guess I really just hate on the Miles at this point. <laughs> Miles Gaskin had three yards on the ground this past week and got out touched by Malcolm Brown, whereas Miles Sanders mentioned that Kenneth Gainwell was in the top 12 for the week. Kenneth Gainwell is above him on the season as well, whereas Kenneth Gainwell is running back 27. Miles Sanders is currently situated at running back 33. I look at the Miles Sanders and the Kenneth Gainwell situation, the same as the Mike Davis and Cardell Patterson situation. Miles Sanders getting the lots of touches to start the season, but then Kenneth Gainwell is the one who's outplaying him and outperforming. And so I, I think this is the point where Kenneth Gainwell starts taking a lot of those snaps away from Miles Sanders because he's doing the most with those snaps. And so I think you could see, again, another evened up, divvied up snap count for both Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell. And if Kenneth Gainwell performs better again, I think he starts to get the start over Miles Sanders and gets more touches. And then on the other end, you know, with Miles Gaskin, I, I can't seem to trust him anymore. If his backup running back is getting the touches and getting you know, better and better each week, you might go to the waivers and find them in the waivers and say, hey, I might have a sneaky, you know, waiver claim here. Uh, let's talk about the injuries at the running back position, because that's definitely affecting owners this week, particularly because running back has been very injured throughout the course of the season. Mm -hmm. David Montgomery barely avoided an ACL tear. Thankfully, he did not. So if you're a Montgomery owner, you can hold tight. Maybe he goes on the IR and you could put him in that spot for the time being. In the meantime, of course, this creates a vacuum in the Bears backfield. Damian Williams is the next man up, but he also has a little bit of a quad injury. Uh, Tariq Cohen should be coming off the IR at any time now. Is Damian Williams worth a top bid in your waiver priority? I don't think so. Just because of his injury, it, it depends also, too, on if Matt Nagy just decides to change the offense to fit Justin Fields, because I don't even think Matt Nagy knows what he's doing at this point anymore. And it's kind of killing their offense. I mean, Justin Fields is getting killed. You know, Allen Robinson is becoming non-productive. I mean, uh, that's fair, but I will say that David Montgomery is still a top 12 fantasy running back on the year. I mean, that's because they have to give him the ball to get something magical to happen. Wouldn't Damian Williams be that guy then? Well, yeah, but again, he's also got a quad injury, so. Or Tariq Cohen, you know, like yeah. they might have so, to bring in the ghost of, I don't know, it'll come to me, one of those mid-2000 names. Yeah, it'll come, but. Matt Forte. Matt Forte, there we go. <laughs> we knew it was in there somewhere, but <laughs> I don't know. I think, I just think the Chicago backfield is hard to trust right now, unless okay. it's David Montgomery. <laughs> well, do you trust the Cincinnati backfield moving forward as Joe Mixon is going to be day-to-day -day with an ankle injury, meaning Samadre Pirine and Chris Evans are going to be the two guys that are going to have to step up over there. Samadre Pirine is going to be one of those guys that's heavily targeted this week. Can Samadre fill in finally for the Bengals and Lou? Mixon. I don't mind P. Ryan. I, I think he's actually a really solid player. And he didn't really prove that much in Jacksonville, but I think if he gets the touches, I think he can prove to be a solid back. So if, if P. Ryan is available, which I'm sure he is in a lot of leagues, it might be worth giving him a try and maybe tossing him into a flex position if you really need it. Okay. So that about wraps it up for the running back position. Those are some of the more notable stories. Anything before we move on? No, let's move on. All right. Let's take a look at wide receiver. So top 12 on the week, your number one wide receiver this week is going to be Tyreek Hill with 11 receptions, 186 yards, and three touchdowns. An amazing day, 42 points. Total game changer if you had Tyreek <laughs> Hill either against you or for you. <laughs> against you? Oh, 
I'm nope, for me. For you. Okay. Dynasty. <laughs> Dynasty League, even better. At number two, you had Debo Samuel, eight receptions, 156 yards, and two touchdowns, one of which came on an absolute crazy busted coverage. So if you are celebrating that one, Drew, you should thank Jamal Adams personally because he looks like he was the one that blew that coverage there on that 76 oh, starter. Me, I was thanking him really, really nicely. I was like, thank you, Jamal Adams, because Debo was balling for me. <laughs> At number three, eight receptions, 113 yards, and two touchdowns for DJ Moore, who is having an absolute career season. You talk about Sam Darnold's finding things and figuring things out in Carolina. DJ Moore has been the biggest beneficiary because of it. DJ Moore, an absolute locked and loaded week in, week out wide receiver one. Terry McLaurin at number four, six receptions, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. Mentioned Terry would be a great start this week against the Falcons. He did not let down Terry McLaurin as your wide receiver four at five you talked about the old guys getting together last dance Randall Cobb five receptions 69 yards and two touchdowns for Green Bay Aaron Rodgers said he wanted himself some Randall Cobb well in week four you got yourself some Randall Cobb at number six on the week Deontay Johnson nine receptions 92 yards and a touchdown so we were worried about him coming in with a little bit of an injury it turns out Chase Claypool was going to be the one that actually missed a game and Deontay Johnson was the guy that got the targets at number seven, Corey Davis has a nice stretch of games coming up. So that's something to monitor. Four receptions, 111 yards, and a touchdown. At number eight, this is kind of a name to keep on your radar here. Khalif Raymond, six targets, three receptions, 46 yards, and two touchdowns. Now I'm going to ignore the touchdown luck there, but I will say he is starting to get a lot of targets from Jared Goff and the Lions. We mentioned there has to be some sort of wide receiver one in Detroit, and mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like it's Quinn and Sevis. It doesn't seem like it's Tyrell Williams. Khalif Raymond, at least over the last two weeks, has been heavily targeted. So throw out a couple dollars for Khalif Raymond this week. Van Jefferson at nine, six receptions, 90 yards and a touchdown. At number 10, Justin Jefferson, six receptions, 84 yards and a touchdown. Hollywood Brown caught the ball this week, four receptions, 91 yards and a touchdown for Hollywood. And then Tyler Boyd with a big week, nine receptions, 11 targets, 118 yards. Would have loved if he scored, but those honors went to CJ Uzama this week. Tyler Boyd rounding out the top 12. Let's take a look at what's going on season wise your number one wide receiver on the year cooper cup with about 87 points on the year just outside that 100 mark tyree kill just behind him after the huge week tyree kill got heavily elevated and here's a name to keep on your radar here Debo samuel is your wide receiver three on the season at the moment couple huge games one against the lions and now this past week against the seahawks Debo samuel starting to be a rising star in his third year dj moore at number four mentioned he's having a great year mike williams at at five, Terry McLaurin at six, Justin Jefferson at seven, and right behind him, a former LSU teammate is Jamar Chase is at eight, rookie inside the top eight here. Tyler Lockett at nine, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown at 10, Devontae Adams at 11, and Adam Thielen rounding out the top 12. So you have two Vikings wide receivers currently within the top 12. Okay, trust or bust Debo Samuel the rest of the season. I love Debo Samuel. It's a definite trust. I mean, he's first in receiving yards with 490 receiving yards. He's tied ninth with three touchdowns. He's fourth in yards, averaging 17 and a half yards per reception. And he's also tied fifth with 28 receptions in the NFL. So no matter what statues show, he's in the top 10. I guess it depends on the healthiness of Jimmy Garoppolo too. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, or even if Trey Lance plays and he can recognize Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel is going to have a career year. And I, I'm really liking him a lot. And I'm sure as a 49ers fan, you're starting to like his production too. <laughs> yes, I, I've always loved Debo Samuel. The one caveat that's always been my concern with Debo has been health as is most mm -hmm. cases with the Niners. Yeah. But Debo Samuel in particular, he missed most of last year, his sophomore season. And now the health of the quarterback position is definitely something that does kind of have me worrying about his long-term fantasy value. It depends, like who is Lance going to come out in week five and really target? Is it going to be Debo? Is he going to lean on Kittle? Is he going to go more towards Brandon Ayuk, get him involved in the offense? Or is it going to be a complete read option run game all of Baltimore? That's the kind of mystery that I'm a little bit mm -hmm unsure of so as far as trust or bus if we're just relegating this to will Debo Samuel be a top 12 
fantasy wide receiver on the year. I actually have to be the Debbie Downer here. I have to say bust. I don't see him finishing within the fantasy top 12. And I I think it's just going to be, there's going to be a little bit of regression to the mean in the sense that this offense is going to start to get a little bit more balanced out. You're going to see IU get more targets. You're going to see George Kittle get more targets. And that's going to take away from Debo, not to mention a couple of Debo's big scores and well you'll give him the one against Detroit in week one because that was all him making that happen but let's face it that one against Seattle this past week probably shouldn't have happened that 70 yard touchdown there so there's some factors in there that kind of have me looking at this situation Mm -hmm. and thinking I I just don't think that he could live up to his current fantasy value especially in what's historically been a more run first offense but I'm happy about it obviously like you mentioned as a fan I am happy with what Debo's doing I just don't see him keeping it up for his owners particularly that doesn't mean you should trade him because bare minimum I think he is a top 24 wide receiver on the year definitely a top in the top 36 for the remainder of the season so you know with that said he's going to be in your starting lineup that's why hey he'll live up to that value I just don't mm-hmm. think he'd be that guy that you look at and oh Devontae Adams Tyreek Hill Debo Samuel I don't think he'll be in that here yeah. much longer he, he's definitely a productive receiver right now though okay well let's talk about other guys they're kind of like in that Bain, Jamar Chase at eight. Uh, we saw Tyler Boyd got a little bit more involved in this offense. T. Higgins has missed the last two weeks. Uh, can Jamar Chase keep up what he's doing? Will he be within the top 12 come season's end? You have to think there's also some big names that are currently not within that top 12 that you would think about, like a DK Metcalf at 15, Devontae mm-hmm. Adams currently sitting there at 11. You have Mike Evans at 18, Stefan Diggs at 19. These are guys that in theory could unseat him DeAndre Hopkins is the wide receiver 21 on the year yeah and that's why I'd say there's no way that Jamar Chase finishes, finishes within the top 12 because of a lot of those big names Mike Evans you know all those guys and so don't get me wrong he's playing very well in his rookie season but also too what concerns me is the first four games weren't really all the most difficult for you I mean you played Minnesota you played Pittsburgh you just got done playing Jacksonville I mean, the loss was deserving for sure, but this is just me hanging on the Bengals. <laughs> but you got to remember, you're in a division where you still have to play a team like the Cleveland Browns, whose passing attack and rushing attack or defense and stuff is very dominant. You still play teams like Green Bay later on in the season. You still play a lot of, you know, very heavy defensive teams. So you, you're not in the brunt of it yet. And you're going to, everyone's, especially here in Ohio, where I live, there's a lot of Bengals fans up here, especially towards the Cleveland area. And they're all, you know, up in arms like, oh, Joe Burrow is better than Baker Mayfield. Joe Burrow is this guy. Joe Burrow is that guy. And he's like, Jamar Chase was the correct pick over Panay Sewell. And I was like, you got to remember, you played three easy teams to begin your season with. I was like, you got to calm down a little bit because you can say that to Cleveland until Miles Garrett gets five sacks on Joe Burrow. Then what are you going to say afterwards? (laughs) You're not going to really say too much after that. And you're going to, I'm going to say maybe Panacea was the correct pick and you just missed out on him. (laughs) I'll ask you a question specifically for this week. Going against Green Bay, going against Jair Alexander in shadow coverage there, is Jamar Chase going to be within your top 20 wide receivers rankings wise? No, I can't. I mean, he's he's definitely going to be covered by the better corners because of how much he is hyped. Now, Tyler Boyd might take some of that as well. But again, Jamar Chase, he's going to be the most targeted receiver for Joe Burrow because of their connection at LSU. But it's one of those situations just to where I don't trust that offense enough because of who they played. Once you start getting to the brunt of their schedule, it's just tougher and tougher and tougher. Let's talk about another name here. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown at 10 on the year and on the week. Can he keep up doing what he's doing? Obviously, we always look at the Ravens and we know what that offense is. It's not really Mm -hmm. a heavy passing offense by any means. You expect the rookie Rashad Bateman to get back out there. Hollywood Brown, trust or bust rest of the year? I have to go with bust just because of their offense. I mean, it's more of less a run-heavy offense. I mean, everything flows through Lamar Jackson. And not going to lie, me and you were both shocked when we even heard that he had four catches for 93 yards. (laughs) So even him catching the ball is just a big shock to us. Now, I'm not going to be one of those guys that say Lamar can't throw because he he can throw. He's not the greatest thrower, but he could throw. But the hands of Hollywood Brown haven't been the greatest because when there are times that Lamar has put it right where he needs to, gone right through Hollywood Brown's hands. And a lot of it's his fault and not so much Lamar Jackson. So, and again, you still have guys like D-Hops, Diggs, 
Mike Evans, all those guys still right behind you who are going to have very much productive seasons as the seasons go on. I, I Again, I, I think Hollywood Brown, I, I think he's going to be within, he's going to be within the top, you know, 34 for sure. Now he could sneak into the top 24, but again, you know, what's his production going to look like? Is he actually going to catch the ball? Is he going to keep producing like he is now? Again, it's, it's just up in the air. Okay, I want you to rank the following guys in most likely to finish within the top 12 okay. the remainder of the season. So DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, and Calvin Ridley, starting from most likely to least likely. I would go DeAndre Hopkins as most likely. I think his production goes way up. And obviously him and Kyler Murray have been very well together. And Kyler Murray has been playing extremely well. So definitely D-Hop can get those targets and get those get that production back up. Two would be DK Metcalf because, again, him and Russ have a great connection. And usually between now and week seven is when Tyler Lockett has his downfall and DK Metcalf's production goes way up. So we have to remember that Tyler Lockett's production value goes down mid-season. DK Metcalf will definitely finish up there. Three would be Stephon Diggs. Four would be Calvin really, again, Atlanta situation is not the greatest. Offense has just not been all that good. I mean, Matty Ice just finally had a productive game for once in what seems like in a long time. So Calvin really definitely a guy I wouldn't trust to make the top 12. I might actually disagree with you on the order here. I'm going to give a little bit of pushback. I'm going to say I have it in this order. I have DK Metcalf because I think that he is truly Russell Wilson's number one wide receiver. Yeah. And I think that that puts him above Tyler Lockett, who can be a little bit more inconsistent right now. Lockett is, of course, ahead of him in terms of the overall rankings. But I think it's because Lockett's had a few more big days, whereas I think DK, by sheer volume, is going to be able to eventually surpass Lockett. Next behind him, I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs. And why I think so is because I think Stefan Diggs is the absolute wide receiver one when it comes for the Bills. Yes, Emmanuel Sanders has been a nice addition. Cole Beasley is always going to get his consistent target share. But Stefan Diggs, him and Josh Allen just haven't connected the end zone enough this year to elevate his fantasy value. But you're Mm -hmm. starting to see him start to trend upwards. Why I think that I would actually have DeAndre Hopkins at three, we can agree on Calvin Ridley at four. I'm okay with Calvin Ridley being at four because I think that the Falcons haven't done enough offensively and I don't think they'll do enough offensively this year to change how I view Calvin Ridley in fact I'm starting to view Calvin Ridley outside of that top 24 just by the offense and how stagnant it's been agreed but when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins there's just a lot of mouths to feed right now in Arizona and Kyler Murray has shown no ability to discriminate between who he's throwing the ball to yeah AJ Green has got plenty of work. Like I said, I just acquired AJ Green this week. The reason I put him in the trade is because I'm really impressed with what mm-hmm. he's been able to do here late in his 30s. He is clearly having a nice little career season out there in Arizona. Um, you look at Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk has been very involved early on. He is a top 36 wide receiver on the year. And then, you know, oh, yeah. you also have a very talented speedster in Rondell Moore. I think Andy Isabella is still out there as well. So there's yeah, so many yeah. options in such a diverse complex scheme that the Cardinals are running that I don't think they have to be reliant on one guy and that is so far to this point negatively impacted DeAndre Hopkins in a way I would say I love D-Hop but that might be a guy that you could potentially sell on name value and see if you get something else a little bit nicer back because it's going to be a lot harder road for him to week in and week out be the target leader on a very balanced Cardinals passing attack. For me, I know D-Hop gets a lot of the production and I know he makes a, a lot, most of what he is, but I do agree that there is a lot of mouths to feed in Arizona because there is AJ Green, you know, there is Isabella, Rondell Moore, there is all these guys. And, you know, recently James Conner getting in the end zone quite a bit when they get close to the red zone. So there are lots of mouths to feed. I know Kyler spreads the ball, but also too, I think another reason why D-Hop could be up there too is because he does spread the ball so well and you know no matter what d hop is one of the greatest receivers that we've seen in a long time and I, I truly think no matter what he could definitely get his production and get back into that top 12 okay so you know there is a little bit of disagreement and that's right. good we don't have to necessarily be united on all these topics here you know like looking down here see more like kind of like notable stories i actually forgot to mention this quarterback wise but teddy bridgewater also went down in the broncos game this year which means we might see some drew Locke. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for a guy like Cortland Sutton? Because in the preseason, I heard Sutton and Locke had a little bit more of a connection, even more than 
Bridgewater and Sutton. I mean, if they're building their connection, it could be a good thing. But just because you build a connection doesn't mean it's going to show in the field. It all depends on what Drew Locke actually does on the field and not on the practice field. Because practicing when nobody's bull rushing you in the middle of the game is a lot different than, you know, in a game where some big guy's going to come at you and just drill you. So, But it kind of goes back to last year, too. Locke also was there before Sutton went down with his ACL tear. Right. That's a great point, but also too, I just, again, it depends on Drew. For me, it just depends on Drew Locke's play and if he can actually get the ball to Cortland Sutton. Okay, then are you starting any Broncos wide receivers if Locke is starting? I would start Cortland Sutton just because he most likely will get a lot of those targets. And Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick has been very productive as of late as well. Uh, when Jerry Judy comes back from IR, obviously Jerry Judy is a very, very talented receiver. You could definitely start him, but I guess if anything, they could be solid flex options, either Sutton or Tim Patrick. I mean, again, Sutton is a guy who can get a lot of the targets. Tim Patrick is the one who's been doing a lot of the scoring. So either one you have could be a solid flex option, but I'm, they're not going to be my main priority. If I have better receivers or better options on the bench, I'd probably start them over. I mean, we usually breeze by tight end here, but uh, CJ Uzama flash in the pan or someone you're picking up. Number one fantasy tight end on the week with the two touchdowns, <laughs> 95 yards and five receptions. You know, if he's a desperate need, I could see getting CJ Uzama. I, I don't know if he's going to be a touchdown dependent tight end for the season. We do have to remember he did play against Jacksonville. So that definitely helped out a lot. But also, too, C.J. Uzama hasn't been bad. I mean, he scored a couple times against Cleveland last year in that primetime game on Thursday night, and he showed big production in that game. And, you know, then he got injured for the rest of the season. So in that same game. So (laughs) I remember it very well. But if healthy, I mean, C.J. Uzama is not a bad tight end. And he's a guy that I'd definitely be streaming. Okay, let's talk about some streaming DSTs potentially. So there's the Vikings out there. They're about 17% owned. They face Detroit next week. You have the Raiders, who are about a 12% owned defense. Next week, they're going against the Bears. (laughs) And let's see, Carolina. Carolina is going against Philadelphia. Rank those defenses in terms of priority ads. I go with Vegas because of the matchup. Uh, rookie quarterback Matt Nagy not really knowing what he's doing, and the offense just yeah they did very well this past week. But again, you know if you do enough, you could definitely throw Justin Fields off, and you could throw the offense completely off, especially now with David Montgomery being the scratch at this point. Now uh, they pretty much lost their main person <laughs> on that offense, so uh, I definitely would have to go the Raiders first. I almost called them Oakland for a second. It's gonna take but, some, some time still. Yeah, it's gonna take a lot of time. Time. Uh, I would go Minnesota second because Minnesota's defense has been playing very well. And, you know, the Browns and the Minnesota game has been very much the defensive matchup. I mean, 14 to 7, one of the oddest games I've ever watched in a very long time. But then again, I shouldn't be shocked because it's, it's Cleveland. So it shouldn't be shocking to me at all. Uh, yeah. And last is Panthers. I mean, Panthers have a very good defense. Obviously, they struggled this past week. But the other two, I just like the matchups a little bit. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. The Raiders, I think, are going to be a great option this week. Mostly, I would just say because what did the Browns do well against the Bears? They sacked Justin Fields and they got after him. If you look at what the Raiders can do well between Max Crosby, Carl Nassib, Mm -hmm. and Yannick Ngakwe, they can get after the quarterback. So I think you get some cheapy points there. I think you could really make it difficult for a guy like Justin Fields. And then you have a veteran coordinator for the Raiders that I think will definitely cause a lot of trouble for a rookie quarterback. Uh, So there's a lot of factors like as far as if you're talking about a streamer DST, I think the Raiders are someone that I consistent, I would put at the top of my list. All right, Drew. So we just finished the weekend the was any expectations anything you're looking forward for the weekend that's coming up oh yeah more wins in my fantasy leagues because i definitely need to go four and one instead of staying (laughs) i can't lose so i have to keep my hot streak going (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to test that one out all right slump busters well you know what to do you got to hit that subscribe button you got to hit that five star review button leave a like on this video checking out our partner cavemancoffeeco.com come on don't be a chump use our promo code slump at cavemancoffeeco.com same thing for this episode i mentioned it last week but uh the mike tagliere like uh go fund me go check that out obviously his family's still kind of like reeling after their loss it's a big news in the fantasy football community go fund me is going to be in the description below they say happy and healthy and we'll see you on the next one